Hi there, and welcome to the umpal.com podcast. I'm Oli, and for episode number 46, it is my pleasure to bring to you a chat with American carver Adam Remington. Adam makes some very, very beautiful and highly sought-after pipes. Just amazing work this guy does. I've been seeing Adam's work at the shows, and it doesn't surprise me that his work gets snapped up so very quickly. Take a listen, and then work on getting one for yourself. This podcast is made possible by qualitybriar.com. Nick does an outstanding job gathering extraordinary pipes from around the world to be seen and, of course, purchased all in one spot. Check out qualitybriar.com and let me know what finds its way into your collection, a fantastic resource. The following podcast was recorded on April 7th, 2013. Sit back, grab a pipe, and stay a while. I hope you enjoy. On the line with us today, we have American pipe maker, Mr. Adam Remington. Adam, welcome to the show, pal. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Oli. Adam, tell me a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, how old you are, and a little bit about your family. It'd be just background stuff, stuff like that. Okay. Well, um, I was raised in Tucson, Arizona, and I lived there until just recently when I moved here to Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I have one younger brother who is now a Buddhist monk at a monastery in California. No kidding. That is really interesting. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, they're retired now, but uh, for most of my life, my dad was a jeweler and my mom was a doctor. Wow. So tell me about your, your upbringing. Was that always in Arizona? Um, yeah, I lived in Tucson, Arizona, basically my whole life um, through high school and college and everything. So, What did you study? Um, I did electrical engineering, actually. And did you, did you or do you work in that field? Um, well, I worked in the field for uh, a little bit after I graduated. I uh, worked at Honeywell doing circuit design. And it, it was, you could be a little creative, but it wasn't the, the best like environment and I wasn't really happy doing it. So, uh, after maybe about a year, I ended up, uh, quitting and I'd always been interested in art and art history and things like that. So I started doing odd jobs while I studied that stuff until I found, found pipe making, which ended up being a kind of perfect combination between engineering and art. So, yeah, absolutely. That that makes that makes great sense. Um, how did you first become interested in pipes in general? Um, you know, it kind of happened beginning of college. Um, I don't remember what I was doing, but I was on the internet doing something, and I ended up finding a a site that had photos of pipes, and there was some pipes on there that were just like amazing, beautiful pipes. I had never seen anything like it, and it got me looking at other pipe sites and tobacco sites and I ended up buying uh, a few pipes and some tobacco and started smoking uh, off and on for the rest of college and afterwards. So I kind of got into it that way. And about when was that? Um, that must have been about 2001 or 2002. So about 10 or 10 or 11 years ago. And how, how old are you now? Uh, I just turned 30 last week, so thank you for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I just turned 40 uh, back in December, so you know, you're know you still a spring chicken, man. Okay, great, great. 
Um, how long have you been um, making pipes as, as more than a hobby? And, and tell me how you first got started making pipes. Well, <clears throat> you know, I kind of, you know, I had the background in engineering and uh, interested in art. And I kind of saw pipes as something uh, that I could kind of use all my skills in. And for, you know, the, the, first, the first years, I was pretty much self-taught. I'd look at pipes or go on the Internet or maybe I'd ask, you know, a pipe maker a random question or something like that. But uh, when after a couple years of doing that, I kind of, it started like getting, my skills kind of started, I wasn't getting better as fast as I would have liked. And so I kind of had to make a decision. Like I was, I was still pretty slow. So I had to kind of decide I could either make pipes kind of slowly as a hobby or kind of get more serious, go study with some other pipe makers and uh, give it a shot, you know, kind of more professionally as more than a hobby. So I ended up um, visiting some pipe makers here in the U.S. Like I went and visited with Todd Johnson for about a month and I visited Jeff Grasick and I kind of did the uh, pilgrimage through Sweden and Denmark. I visited pipe makers like Louvet and Sarah Geiger and worked with Tom Eltang and people like that and kind of came back here and retooled my shop and uh, started, you know, practicing the skills that I learned there. And since then, things have been going uh, pretty good. It's, it's been a good uh, couple of years since then. Wow, that's that's quite a pilgrimage. That's uh, you know, there's not there's not many folks who uh, get to study under names like that. That's that's pretty incredible. What was it? What was it like um, to you know get to work under those folks? Uh, it was it was a really great experience. Like I, it was kind of uh, amazing how how good they they actually are you know and and getting to actually see them working in person uh it was really kind of eye-opening and i mean i learned so much in such a shorter amount of time than i did you know years of working alone versus you know a couple of months studying with other people uh it was just a, a really great experience very cool um as far as your workload goes do you Mostly do commissions, or or how does how does that workflow go through your shop? You know, I when I first started, I did mostly commissions, and I think it was a good experience when I first started um, because you know if somebody wanted a calabash or if somebody wanted a horn shank extension and I didn't know how to do it, I'd you know I'd have to learn how to do it and and, and make it for them. So it was a good learning experience that way. But uh, lately, I've been doing I think more orders for dealers. Um, it gives me a little more freedom. Um, you know, I don't have to worry so much about, you know, the pipe has to be five and a quarter inches long and weigh less than this amount and things like that. And so it kind of helps me develop kind of uh, my own style and kind of work on what I want to work on. And so I've been doing more of that lately and having fun with that. But uh, still, still a lot of custom orders to keep me on my toes, too. So you still do... Do you still do commissions? Yeah, yeah, definitely. What influenced your style in the beginning, and how has that changed? 
Um, well, when I first started, I think what influenced my style the most was kind of other pipes. Um, I spent a lot of time looking at pipes from makers from uh, Japan and Denmark and Sweden and Russia and the U.S. and uh, getting lots of ideas from them. Um, but recently, I think more uh, I've been getting more inspiration from kind of uh, other crafts. Like um, I've always been interested in uh, Japanese and Korean pottery. And so uh, maybe a few years ago, I don't know how I came by the book, but I uh, read this book uh, called The Unknown Craftsman. And it was by uh, a Japanese potter kind of at the turn of the 20th century, talking more about uh, kind of the Eastern aesthetic and kind of imperfect, asymmetrical, incomplete beauty. And uh, for me, that was kind of uh, eye-opening and really inspiring. And so I've tried to take that and uh, put it in my work a lot. And uh, it really helped me understand kind of things that I had always been interested in, like the pottery or like Chinese calligraphy and things like that. And so that's kind of more what's been influencing me lately is uh, stuff like that. And there's also a lot of great American furniture makers um, and looking at their work and reading about their philosophy is, is really inspiring, too. So is that did that book that you were talking about touch on the, the I guess the whole uh, wabi sabi? Yeah, you know I think it was written before there was kind of the the word wabi sabi in the the Western world, but I think it it kind of touched on that kind of aesthetic. That's that's really interesting. Um, I'm a, a huge fan of Zen Buddhism, and so I, I'd love to um, talk to your brother sometime about you know what he studies and what he does. But I find um, Zen Buddhism definitely influencing me in the way I go about um, figuring stuff out in the pipe world and in the art world and uh, all that kind of stuff. So I can I can definitely uh, appreciate where you're coming from there and, and look forward to seeing um, that influence, that kind of uh, beauty of the uh, – you can see or feel uh, the, the natural – hand of the carver in something that is just a little bit more uh hand hewn you know it's mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's mm-hmm. in a way it's like a you know i like my hand hewn wood floors i would rather them not look you know machine cut for example well, well yeah like when i first started uh you know i had the engineering background and so kind of the idea of like a perfectly engineered, perfectly symmetrical, billiard, kind of the, the Western idea of, of beauty was kind of more influential to me. And, you know, as I've made more pipes, I've kind of realized that to be beautiful, it doesn't have to be be perfect, you know, and it can be a lot more interesting when it's, uh, you know, more asymmetrical, more movement, more uh, rough, I guess. Uh, and it's, so it's, it's been a, a, a big eye-opening experience making pipes, you know, because my whole worldview has kind of changed along with my pipes. What keeps you motivated and or, let's say, challenged from one pipe to the next? You know, I I don't think there's ever been a, a perfect pipe made. And every pipe I make, I don't think I've ever had one where I said oh, I wouldn't change anything. Uh, this, this, is, this is perfect. I think if I ever did that, I'd probably stop making pipes. But uh, I think what motivates me is to just kind of keep improving and, and trying new things and uh, just making a pipe that I like even more than the last pipe I made. And I think that's kind of 
what what pushes me. How do your pieces come together? So when you start making a pipe, how do you begin? Do you start on paper or write on the block or something in between or something totally different than that? Um, I think usually what I'll do is I'll grab a few blocks and usually one or two of them will kind of give me an idea for some kind of shape. And I might do like a, a quick sketch on the side of the block or I might just go to the shaping wheel and uh, then I'll just work at it on the shaping wheel um, I think that kind of gives the best, it lets you be able to follow the grain and kind of get rid of pits and maybe change the shape in the middle of uh, the process if you come up with a, a better idea or you think of something you hadn't thought of before. And I think for me, it, it ends up making the best pipes. And so that's kind of the, the process I've come down to now. When you're thinking up you know, new pipes to make, What's really interesting to you right now? Well, uh, lately I've been working on getting like the the finish on my smooth and sandblasted pipes uh, just really nice. And during like my experiments and stuff, I've kind of come up with some ideas for for finishes that aren't sandblasted and aren't smooth. And so uh, I think once I find the right pieces of briar or the right pipes, I think you might see something uh, with some interesting finishes in the future. Very cool. That sounds uh, that sounds very promising. I'm excited about that. How do you stamp your pipes or grade them if you do grade them? Um, well, I, I stamp uh, Remington USA and then the last two uh, digits of the year. And uh, as far as grading, I have uh, only the only stamp I use is a circle A for like the very uh, best pipes uh, that I make. And I think so far there's only been uh, two or three of those. So... I, I reserve it pretty pretty much for only what I think are the best pipes I've made. When would you say was the first year of, of production of your pipes that were actually available for sale? Uh, 2009, I think. Because I started making them for sale at, uh, beginning of 2009. Excellent. About how many pipes a year do you make? Um, it varies a lot, but I'd say this year is probably going to be somewhere around... 75 to 100 if if I work hard. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any uh pipes that once you've made them they're just really difficult for you to part with? You know, I think there's something really similar about pipe makers and pipe collectors and I think if I wasn't a pipe maker I'd be a pipe collector. But for me I think I get the same satisfaction out of making the pipe as a pipe collector gets from you know, collecting the pipe. And so once I've made it, I mean, there's pipes that I say, oh, wow, you know, this is definitely something I would smoke myself, but I'm already satisfied having made it and I don't need to keep it. And I'd rather just kind of send, send it out in the world. So I, I don't have that problem too much. Do you have a pipe collection? Um, I don't. I may basically, I mean, I smoke the ones that I bought a long time ago and kind of the rejects and experiments of my own pipes and maybe uh, pipes that other pipe makers have like given me as gifts and things like that. But, but that's, that's what I smoke. What was, what was one of those first pipes that you bought that you still have? Uh, one of the very first pipes I got that was actually, you know, a handmade pipe was a, it was a, it was actually a Kent Rasmussen pipe, but it was when he, I think, 
it was a very simple pipe, and I think it must have been when he first started making pipes because it wasn't very expensive. And so that that uh, it's just a little Dublin, uh, just bent Dublin, simple thing. And so that that's kind of the the oldest handmade pipe that I have. Do you have a preference for straight or bent pipes? Um, not really. I mean, uh, I've had straight and bent pipes that smoke great, so I don't really have a preference. What are a couple of your favorite pipes that you smoke regularly? Hmm. I have, there's, I think my first rusticated pipe that I ever made. It's kind of a little rusticated tomato. That's one I smoke a lot. I think it was the first pipe I ever uh, kind of drilled freehand and everything like that. And another pipe that I smoke a lot is kind of a, it's an ugly kind of joke pipe that Todd made me, but it ends up smoking really great. So those, those two are the ones I think I smoke the most. What is your favorite tobacco right now? Uh, you know, I like all kinds of tobacco. Um, I guess I'd have to say my favorites are uh, Virginia's. And right now, um, I kind of like the single, the kind of the single crop Virginia's, like McCraney's Red Ribbon or uh, McClellan Christmas Cheer. Um, those, those are some of my favorites right now. What's, what's your favorite part about making pipes? I think the most, for me, the most difficult and the most fun part of the process is actually shaping the pipe. But I like the fact that there's so many different steps in the pipe making process. You know, you shape it, but then, you know, you have to turn the stem and shape the stem and you have to sand and you have to stain and there's, it doesn't get boring. If there was just like one, if I had to shape pipes all day, I think it would get boring. But since there's so many other things you have to do, uh, you kind of get refreshed for the next pipe, the next shaping session, things like that. So, so I like the fact that you have to know so many skills uh, and do so many things to make a pipe. You don't have a you don't have a specific uh, stage that's that's your favorite though. I don't think so. I, I like it all. <laughs> even even sometimes filing and sanding a stem can kind of be a relaxing process. So I know lots of pipe makers hate that, but. I like everything. What do you like to do in your spare time when you're not making pipes? You know, I I, I love making things. And so if I'm not making – making pipes takes up most of my time. But if I'm not making pipes, I feel like I have to be making something. And so um, like just recently I set up a little glassworking studio uh, in my garage and so if I get time on the weekends or uh, nights, if I'm not making pipes, then, you know, I can go out there and make some little glass sculptures or things like that. And so it's, it's kind of a fun, uh, I guess, distraction from pipe making. You, uh, you made a glass working <laughs> studio in your pipe studio. Holy, uh, well, holy crap, <laughs> man. That's insane. Well, it's it's you got to have some fun sometimes, and uh, you have to keep. I think you have to keep everything fun, and so every once in a while you need a little break uh, to get kind of refreshed. So, yeah, that's amazing. That's I, I wasn't expecting that one, Adam. That's 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 really <laughs> amazing. How did you get onto glass? Uh, I I don't really know. Um, it just seemed 
I think I saw maybe some really interesting like glass sculptures and I was kind of curious about how it was made, if it was going to be something really complicated or if it was kind of a simple setup. And it turns out to make, you know, like smaller glass objects. Uh, the setup's pretty simple. I mean, you just need like a torch and a furnace to anneal it. And it wasn't a giant kind of project like I thought it might be. So I just gave it a shot. And so far, it's been pretty fun. That's that's really wild. That's really amazing. Um, I, one of my questions was going to be, you know, um, what is there, do you still use your, your electrical engineering degree? But I think you really kind of just answer that. I mean, you know, you can go out and, and basically set up something that's may not be very complex to you, but, you know, I think that'd be a pretty daunting task for, for guys, you know, who don't have that kind of background to go, yeah, you know what? I think maybe I'll set up a glass working station out here. So are there any other things that uh that you do using that that experience from electrical engineering? Well, you know, I it it has been helpful like going through even though I don't work as an electrical engineer, I think the whole uh process of learning everything kind of helped me uh I guess learn how to think and, you know, how to do research into stuff that I don't know and I mean, every once in a while there's something pipe making specific like setting up a a variable speed motor or something like that that uh the electrical engineering helps me a little bit with but um it's it's i'm glad i did it even though i don't use it too much yeah it's, i'd i'd say you you definitely do use it even even if it's with your just your thought process like you said or even if it's just you know the way the way you see um how the engineering of of a pipe works you know you you think in a very different way than than a lot of folks do and that's that's really interesting and so you know um all that schooling just kind of brought that out of you it's a i'm sure i'm sure you actually do use it more than you even think you do but anyway um what's next in the shop right now for you um well right now i'm just the chicago pipe show is right around the corner so I'm working really hard trying to get some pipes done for Chicago, and hopefully I'll have around maybe around 15 pipes to bring to Chicago. Um, there's some nice ones. Maybe maybe the next Circle A might be one of them. I have one that is looking very promising, so I'm excited about that. Out of out of that group, what is there is there a shape that's coming out that you're like, man, I can't wait to see what this looks like once it's done? Well, actually, there's. There's a really long, it's a simple kind of bamboo Dublin, but it's got a really long bamboo shank and a really long bamboo stem. And it kind of, it it breaks lots of the rules of, of pipe making, but it ended up looking really, really nice. I think one of the, the best pipes uh, I've made in a while, so I'm kind of excited about that one. Very cool. Um, tell me one thing about you that is something I would have never known and maybe something that not many people know about you. Hmm. Well, me and my wife both really love to play board games, but they're not kind of the typical, you know, Monopoly or Trivial Pursuit. They're like the more strategic games like uh, let me, Parker's... Let me Parker's, stop you right there and, and remind you this is a family show. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay, I'll change it a little. <laughs> but uh, no, they're, they're like Carcassonne and Agricola and Settlers of Catan. And I guess I guess that must be something kind of strange because... It's really hard for us to find other people to play with, 
But uh, it's, it's actually kind of interesting because I had a pipe collector, Dustin Babitsky, uh, come and visit me once. And he saw our collection of board games. And it turns out that he used to uh, help design uh, some of those board games. And so some of the games he designed uh, were actually ones that we really liked to play. So that was kind of a small world, a pipe collector uh, designing the games that we, me and my wife really liked to play. Wow, that's, that's really awesome. That's fascinating. Tell me some of those games again. I, I, I don't um, think I've heard of any of them. Yeah, so it, it must not be too common. Uh, some of our favorites are Carcassonne, uh, Settlers of Catan, uh, Agricola, um, Princes of Florence. They're kind of, uh, I guess some people call them German board games because some of the popular ones were like designed in Germany. But uh, yeah, those... Those are what we like to play a lot. What, what kind of board games are they? Are they similar to like an RPG game? Um, not so much. They're maybe more similar to something like Risk, maybe. Okay. Well, I used to love Risk, and and I used to really love Dungeons and Dragons when I was younger. I would love it now if I could find people to play with me. But <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm gonna have to check those out. That yeah, sounds definitely. that sounds really really cool, and I have a, an incredibly smart wife who will kick my butt at them, I'm sure, but <laughs> I bet she'll really like them. So that's this is exciting. That's and her birthday's right around the corner, so very cool. Oh, there you go. Actually, you've really helped me out today, Adam. I really appreciate that. <laughs> no problem. Um, where can we find your wonderful pipes? Um, in the in the U.S., you can get them from Nick Miller at Quality Briar. Uh, and also from Pear Bill Hall at Scan Pipes, or you can visit my own website. It's www.remingtonpipes.com. Excellent. Well, Adam, it's been a real treat to chat with you today, buddy, and I uh, can't wait to see you at Chicago. Yeah, I can't wait to talk with you there. All right. Take it easy, pal. Thank you. And that was my chat with Phenom Adam Remington. Do you believe that guy? What a talent. And what a genuinely nice guy. Just amazing. Don't forget to check out his work and many other amazing makers over at qualitybriar.com, a fantastic resource for your next stunning smoker. Hey, I hope you enjoyed our time together. This is Oli for umpal.com wishing you very good luck figuring out which Adam Remington pipe will be next in your collection.